Well, this morning, um, I'm going to be sharing with you a message about undaunted evangelism. And uh, before I do that, I want to uh, share with you a, a thumbnail sketch of my story. That way you know who's up here talking to you, what I'm about, and uh, who's flapping his lips at you. So uh, as we talk about that, uh, I have been, and, and my wife have been blessed, we've been a part of the Oasis family for the last year and a half. The Lord had brought us to this area, and I, I'll get to that in the, uh, in the story. Uh, but I have been uh, married 30 years uh, to my best friend, uh, my wife, Renee, and uh, I, I believe there's a, a picture up here. I'm not sure if the power, hopefully the PowerPoint got uh, uploaded there. There we go. Uh, incredibly blessed, married 30 years. I have five children, uh, three biological, two adopted, um, and we have three grandchildren and, uh, and, uh, and a son-in-law who has been awesome. I was going to make a joke about the son-in-law. They always get picked on along with the mother-in-law and all that. But God has just blessed us uh, with a beautiful family. And so, you know, going back to the beginning, and I, I'm, this is going to be quick. I'm not going to go back. But I was born in upstate New York, primarily raised in Watertown, New York, to a family of uh, six kids. Uh, two are in heaven. Actually, it's seven. Two are in heaven. Uh, Lord took them at birth. And so uh, five total siblings, four brothers or three brothers and one sister. Amazing parents. I don't have a picture of them up there. We can just leave that up there for now. And, uh, but raised in uh, a Catholic family. That, that's my background. And I was uh, fortunate. I went to Catholic school for 11 of 12 years. And so in my senior year, the... Um, I felt like the Lord had placed on my heart to become a, a priest. And so I went to the college for the weekend uh, type event uh, to check that out. And uh, at the end of that weekend, clearly heard the Lord say, not now. And so I walked away from that and uh, spent the next 10 or so years, my 20s, uh, living as a secular all-star. I was uh, a part of the original MTV generation. And can I get a witness? And, uh, and, and so that's what, that's what fueled my picture of life. Uh, to me, that was my role model. That's what life was all about. And that's what I went out and did for the, the next 10 years. And so during that time, graduated uh, from college. That's where I met my wife. Uh, we weren't married at that point. I went down to uh, Tampa, Florida, and the Lord opened up an opportunity uh, for me uh, that I didn't think was going to happen. Uh, I ended up on uh, the police department. And again, this is a thumbnail sketch. Can't go into all the details, just how God was working. Even though I was not following him his way, because up to this point, as, as I was raised, I believed that I was going to heaven because I was comparatively a good person. Compared to a murderer, a rapist, and all the big sins, I was okay. And of course, when we measure ourselves in that way, why wouldn't God let us into heaven? And so that's just where I was at this point in my life. And so I was a police officer in Tampa, Florida for five years. Um, 
During that time, I worked two full-blown racial riots, had our first child, and so I was thinking to myself, you know what? And my wife, we were a part of this, and just said, you know, I don't know if I want to raise a family in this environment. And so we had the opportunity, we had other opportunities, so we exercised that, and we moved back to New York. Uh, Renee's parents owned a telecommunications company, and we're doing very well. And so we're like, hey, let's go get a part of that. We'll go raise a family, around family, and become wealthy. And so I'm like, all right, sounds like a plan, so we leave Tampa. Uh, three years into that, her parents get divorced, and the business implodes. And so I'm now sitting home, three small children, unemployed, sitting on the couch. And so as any unemployed father would do, I was watching Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and uh, the main character, Belle, is singing, There Must Be More to This Provincial Life. And uh, I'm just listening to it, echoing that thought in my mind, saying there's, there's got to be more to life than this chasing the money, getting up, going to work, coming home, raising the family and all that. And as I thought about that, that same voice that said, not now, said there is, it's me. That was my Damascus Road experience. That's when I said, okay, I will follow you. And that sent me on a journey, the journey I've been on for the last 26 years. And it has been an incredible journey. And so right uh, after that, of course, unemployed, the next thing the Lord, he, actually I had to do some factory work, temp type things and, and all that, and uh, that was interesting. And uh, the Lord opened up a door to work with uh, at-risk teens with New York State Division for Youth uh, at, at Tryon Center in Johnstown. If you've heard of that, if it sounds familiar, that's where Mike Tyson spent his youth as a young man. Now, uh, there's more to that story. I won't get into that at, at the moment. But so I, I worked on a girls unit uh, with teen girls. And if you know anything about working with at-risk teens, you want the guys. It's just, it's just the way it works. I won't go into great detail on that one either. But anyway, after a year, I get a notice, New York State Division for you, or New York State's doing uh, budget cuts, and I was one of them. So I'm now home unemployed again, watching another Disney movie. No. Um, and so I, you know, after that happened, we were like, you know what? I remember why we left New York the first time. The long winters, I'm done with this. And so my twin brother was living in Lynchburg, Virginia. And so kind of contacted him and said, hey, I'm looking at, we're looking at moving, looking at coming down here. Send me the wanted ads. I'm looking for work. That's how we used to do job search before the internet. <laughs> For those who are like, why would you get a newspaper? But anyway, uh, so I'm in church, and uh, I'm talking to God. And then like, okay, God, what would you have me do? And he said, look at Christian child care ministry. And I'm like, no. <laughs> said, I just did this, you know, and, and, and what that was like, on a daily basis was command, escort, put them on the ground. You had to restrain them because they were fighting and all this. It was just craziness. Again, 
I don't have time to go into all that. And, and so I'm like, no, that, I'm not, I really don't want to do that. And so I go home, the newspaper was there. I open it up, looking at the wanted section, it says wanted Christian couple for childcare ministry. <laughs> and I said, I'm slow, but I'm not that slow. And, and so I called down and got an interview for that week. And it was for a, uh, a, a husband and a wife. It was to be house parents at this childcare ministry. And so got an appointment, went down there that week. Now we had put the house up for sale because the housing market at that time was up to two years for our house to sell. And so we said we ought to probably get busy with that. And so we, we uh, put the house up for sale, go down for the interview, got the job, came back, the house sold, we were down there that month. Is that God? That's God. And, and so that was the beginning of ministry for me. That would have been my first, it's actually second ministry because as I was working with those teen girls, I began telling them about Jesus. And uh, so that, be, that was the beginning. But uh, so we're down in uh, the Lynchburg, Virginia area, is Brookneal, Virginia, and working with... Uh, we had a house full of middle school boys. My poor wife. She wasn't equipped for this stuff. You know, I'll give you a quick idea. As we were there for the interview, as we're driving by the house, the kid's hanging out the window yelling, help, rescue me, I've been kidnapped. You know, it was just <laughs> pure chaos. And then I came into the world. Another story. And so uh, during that time, the Lord opened up an op opportunities for me. I became a youth pastor at the church we were at, a deacon, um, high school ministry that was unbelievable. Again, too much information to go into for the thumbnail sketch. And so that was what was going on. And then three years, three, three and a half years into that, left that ministry and continued working with at-risk teens at a hospital in Lynchburg as part of the, the system. This time it was working with teens that were in the mental health system. And so uh, for the next 15 years, I was working there. But during that time, the Lord opened up an opportunity because he, he, I mean, again, too much, I can't go into detail, but he worked it out where I was working full-time three times, uh, three days a week Third shift, it was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then he opened up an opportunity for me to teach at a Christian school, and so I was a Bible, part-time Bible teacher. So I did those two things, did the Bible teacher uh, thing for five years, and then the church we were at, I, I was ordained as a minister, I was an associate pastor, and paid trip from our pastor to go to Iraq in the first Iraq war. And so I stepped in as the uh, interim pastor for a year and a half. He came back. I handed it back to him, resumed my responsibilities there. And then the Lord opened up an opportunity for me to be the athletic director at the school that I was teaching, had teach, was teaching Bible. And so I was uh, athletic director, got to be a varsity coach, basketball, uh, soccer, and, and do all that. And so all these things I'm mentioning to you were all bucket list items, I mean, these were things that I wanted to do since I was a kid. There was no way those things were going to happen for a lot of reasons. Can't go into those details. But so during this time, those things are going on. And then year 15, the company I worked for said, we're going to close your unit. And we want you to move back to the treatment facility. And so I was 52 at the time. And I'm like, 
nah, <laughs> I'm too old for this. I'm done. And, and so uh, I ended up uh, resigning. We talked, uh, my wife and I were talking. Our uh, daughter and three grandkids were in the Virginia Beach area. So we said, you know what? Let's sell the house. We'll move. And I was looking to get into full-time evangelism and discipleship ministry. And the door didn't open. And so I had one item left on my bucket list that I hadn't done. I'm like, okay, Lord, you must be opening up an opportunity for me to check off this last, last, last item on the bucket list. And so I enrolled in truck driving school. I always wanted to drive a tractor trailer ever since I was a teen. And there's amazing stories with that, and I can't go into detail. But So I'm driving tractor trailer, and it doesn't quite work out when we had moved. And there was a seed that I planted in my wife's head four years beforehand. I came up with this brilliant idea. And I was like, let's sell the house and both of us will drive tractor trailer. You know, we'll do this together. And she looked at me and went, no, <laughs> not happening. And so every year I would revisit that and she would shoot it down like a, a duck in hunting season. So, you know, we get to 2016 and uh, we were at a crossroads and I said, hey, hon, that uh, truck driving idea, what are, you, what are your thoughts? And she paused. She never paused before. And she goes, let me think about it. And uh, next day she comes back and says, yes. <laughs> yes. And, and so we both then enroll in tractor trailer school. You know, if you've met my wife, she doesn't look like a truck driver. Uh, and so we get there, and she finished fourth in this class of 18, and there was only other woman in, in that class. Now, I'm not being sexist about this, but typically women aren't truck drivers. But she finished fourth, and she was phenomenal. She, she'll deny that. You know, I, there's another story, and I won't go into it. I'll, I'll share this a, another time. It's just incredible what she did. You know, first day of class, and the instructors are like, Psh. you know, it had to do with shifting. But anyway, um, so uh, we did that for about a year, year and a half. And then in July, at the end of July 2017, the Lord, we, that adventure came to an end. But by that time, the Lord had moved us to Easton. That's how we ended up here. Because my daughter, her husband's in the Coast Guard. He was transferred to Oxford. We needed a place to stay. They needed furniture, so it all worked out. And so that's how we ended up here. We were living in the suburbs in Cordova at the time. But that's about the time we ended up here. Because we had been doing a church search the year prior to that. For our kids, we wanted them to be in church. And so we checked out all the area churches and felt like the Lord was calling us here. And, and so that's how we ended up here in Easton. So that's a thumbnail sketch of our journey. And so, uh, but at the end of the truck driving gig, I'm sitting there, uh, again, unemployed, and it seems to be a pattern. Um, but I was like, okay, if I could do anything and money wasn't the issue, what would I do? And the answer was full-time evangelism and discipleship ministry. And since I didn't get anything the time before that, I was like, okay, maybe you just want me to start my own ministry. And so there were some other things that had occurred 
in the next month. Again, too, many, too much detail for, to, to go into. But the Lord was doing some things, and uh, he, I decided, hey, you know, I had seen somebody else doing kind of what I'm doing now, and I was like, I could do that, which is how I do anything in life. I was like, I look, ah, I can do that. And so I started Reach, Evangel- Reach Evangelism and uh, Discipleship Ministry, which turned into, it's now in, incorporated as Reach Evangelistic uh, Association. And so the goal of Reach is to train every believer to reach every unbeliever. And the primary focus of Reach is to train believers to reach their circle of influence. It's not door to door, but the reality is that God has given us all a circle of influence, and so that's who we're to reach. And so what I do is train, and that's where Evangelism 321 comes in to play. But it's not just to train people in how to share the gospel. There's two parts to the gospel, and we'll get into that in just a second. The other part is to how to teach a new believer to follow Jesus his way. And so we're seeing that uh, here at Oasis. Starting point is a part of what I call the Jesus journey, which is what the Lord allowed me to do during that time when I was a pastor or associate pastor in Virginia over that 15-year period was the building of the ministry. All the things that I do now is from that time uh, in Virginia. And so, uh, so now the main part of the message uh, that I want to share with you is it's what I call Reach Easton Initiative. Okay, we're going to get into that, but let's set the foundation. And the foundation for that, there are two great mandates in the New Testament. The first mandate is what's called the great uh, commandment, where someone came to Jesus and said, what is the most important commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And he threw an extra in. He said, love one another. So that's the great commandment. The next great mandate is what's called the great commission. Before Jesus left planet earth and went back to heaven, he told his disciples, he said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And I'll be with you to the end of the age. Good news. All right? And so the great great commandment, love God, love others. Great commission, tell others, teach others. Those are the two great mandates. And the great commission flows out of the great commandment. We tell others, we teach others because of our relationship, because we're loving God and we're loving others. The most loving thing we can do for somebody is to point them to Jesus. All right? And so that, the great commission is what I refer to as the king's business. All right, and so you see it up there, it's, it's the Great Commission. So that's what, again, referred to the Great Commandment is the King's Command. The Great Commission is the King's, uh, king's business. All right, and so one of the things that Jesus has ta- told us, 
he said, I've come that you would have life and have it abundantly. All right? And so the question then becomes, okay, what is the abundant life that God created us to live? And I believe the scriptures teach that the abundant life is a life filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's, it's what's called the fruit of the Spirit, all right? And one of the things that Jesus had said as he was leaving the uh, Last Supper with his disciples, they're on their way to the, to, to the garden, to the Mount of Olives. And as he's walking, we believe, he's obviously looking at a vineyard with grapes. And he says, hey, guys, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Remain in me and I in you. And you will bear much fruit. Okay? God's desire for us is to bear much fruit. Okay? And so those, those thoughts are linked. But one of the things, as, as I was, you know, following the Lord early on, an observation was like, I, I'm not meeting a lot of believers that are ex living that abundant life. And, and so that was a thought that stuck in my mind. And then uh, the Lord opened up an opportunity. I was working with the uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association uh, as a part of their online uh, evangelism team that was taught, you know, we, people would, it was online. So you were chatting with people. And so 50% of the people that I would talk to, and I talked to people all over the world, and they would ask, well, how do I get to heaven? And so we would walk them through that. But the other 50% were believers who were communicating, you know, there's got to be more to this. I'm not experiencing everything I, I think I should be experiencing as a follower of Jesus. And so I would ask, the, ask them, two diagnostic questions. The first one was, how is your time in the Word? And a lot of times, they would be like, what are you talking about? Red flag. Um, I, and so I would, I would unpack that and talk to them about it. I'd say, no, you know, how are you doing with reading your Bible? And I would go on to explain to them that God speaks to us through His Word. And so if you're not in the word, you're not, you can't hear from God. And so that's a vital part of the relationship. And the other part thing that they would say, oh, but I, I talk to God all the time. I, I pray. I'm like, great. You're in a dysfunctional relationship. I said, you're doing all the talking. And he has more to tell us. He's omniscient. He already knows. He does want us to communicate with him. That's one of the great privileges. It's a personal, intimate relationship that he's invited us into. And like any re good relationship, there's two-way communication. A lot of times I'll say to people, is if you allow God to talk to you as often as you talk to your wife or your husband, how healthy is your relationship going to be? Think about it. If you're, if you're hearing from God once a week or twice a month, how how healthy would your relationship with your spouse be? And so it's the same thing. There's got to be that two-way communication. God transforms us through his word. The spirit of God takes the word of God and transforms the child of God. It's simply how it works. 
And, and so we would talk through that. Then the second thing I would ask him is this. How are you doing at being about the king's business? Again, going back to making disciples. I'm not, I'm not really doing that. And so, it, 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 you know, this is simple logic. And it's biblical as well, is that if we're not cultivating the relationship that God designed us for, and we're not about the king's business, why would we experience the king's blessings? You know? And so God put it together this way, that as we cultivate that relationship, we're going to experience him. As we're about his business, we're going to experience him. As, you know, as I went through my, um, the things that the Lord's allowed me to do, uh, an awful lot of the things that I've done in my life is adrenaline-driven. Police officer, I, I left out boxer, rugby. Just all these things were all about the adrenaline, you know? And what I tell people is this. There is no greater adrenaline rush than to hear from God from his word on a daily basis. We, we had this conversation today. And it said, you know, you know, every day you can hear from God. Amen? And every day you can be about his business. And every time you will experience this rush and it's called where the Lord, the Spirit of God is saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Every day. There are too many stories to be told day after day after day. And so my, again, my purpose in uh, doing what I do is so that every believer can experience that. Because here's another reality. When we look at, okay, well, how are we doing with that? Cultivating the relationship and being about the king's business. The statistics would tell us we're doing really bad, really poorly at that. Statistics tell us that 2 to 5% of believers are about the king's business. That means that 98 to 95% are not about the king's business now, let's kind of do the logic and the math here. As we look at our culture, would you say we're doing well? Or Okay, here's another piece of scripture where it talks about Jesus said, I, you're to be salt and light. So if that number was reversed, do you think that we would be living in the chaos that we live in in the world? And the answer would be no. God gave us the, he redeemed us and called us to be his ambassadors, to be salt and light. And we know that God does not want any to perish, but for everyone to come to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, what does he do with the person who comes to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? He transforms them. That should be the testimony of every believer. I know that's my testimony. I know it's the testimony of other brothers and sisters that I know God transforms lives. So if when God transforms lives, he transforms communities. He transforms families. We've seen that. We've heard the testimonies. That's God's desire is that the world would be transformed because of his love, his grace, and his mercy. And so, 
here we are. All right? So what has God called us to? All right? I think that's kind of obvious, but we have this, and uh, I'm going to look at something because I, as we fast forward through this, uh, the slides, there's a couple things as the slides uh, fly by is this, that obedience, okay, the, well, here's one of the sayings, the Great Commission is not, no, go back to this other one, it's worth uh, dealing with. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered it's a command to be obeyed. That's uh, Hudson Taylor, great missionary to China. Okay, great statement. The next thing is this, that obedience is essential to, for living the abundant life that God created us to live. He said, if you love me, you will obey. Okay, and, and so as we um, look at, okay, here we are. And one of the things that I tell people, I, I was teaching on this this morning, we are a continuation of the book of Acts. We are in the church gospel era, okay? That started around uh, 33 AD. That would have been uh, 1,986 years ago. We're just a continuation of the book of Acts to make disciples, teaching them to obey everything. And again, what would that look like? Imagine, God's given each of us a circle of influence. Imagine if you reached your circle of influence with the gospel. What would that do to your circle of influence? And if we all, that's Southern for multiple people sitting here, if we all reached our circle of influence, what kind of impact would that have on our community? And if all of the churches in Easton were trained and equipped to reach their circle of influence, and they reached their circle of influence, what would that look like in our community? This is what I refer to as the Reach Easton Initiative. An initiative is simply what we're doing. What we want to see is a Reach Easton movement. That's what God does. Now, God takes what we do as we share the gospel, because all of that, People coming to Christ is a God thing. It's not a us thing. We're just his vessel. He gives us the privilege of joining him in what he's doing. Okay? And so that's one of the things I teach in, in, in the evangelism 321 is it's not on us. It's on us to, to tell, but the result is all God. And so imagine if every believer in Easton was reaching their circle of influence, what that would look like. Now, there's a multiplication factor here. I call it the multiplicity principle, okay? It's how the church grew from 12 to what it is today. We're here because of that multiplicity principle, is that when we reach our circle of influence and we disciple them, we're discipling them to make disciples. And so if they reach their circle of influence... It, that's the power of multiplicity. And so we've got the Reach Easton Initiative. The next part of that is the Reach Talbot County Initiative. Now, one of the things I think I missed with, with the slide, but the, the, the goal I set for Reach was 10.5 million uh, people. And that would be all of Delmarva, Baltimore, and Washington metro area. 
That's 10.5 million people. So that's the goal of reach. And you don't have to go back to that. You stay on, on the reach Talbot because that's what we're called to. I hope to have the same conversation with multiple churches throughout Delmarva, Washington, Baltimore area, where I encourage them that, hey, you know what? God's created us to know him and to share him and to live this incredible, abundant life filled with love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth, the fruit of the, experience, or fruit of the Spirit. And so what's our action step? What do we do with this? All right, there's a couple action steps, okay? The first is this, and if you could go to the, the, the next slide uh, on this, but the next action step is to obey the king, period. That's the short answer. But the next piece is, where are you? Maybe you're here today and you've never heard that God loved you and sent his son to die for you so that you can be reconciled and know him and have an intimate personal relationship with him. Then your step would be to surrender, to accept God's gift of eternal life through his son Jesus. That would be your step. Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? When you were describing that person that Let's God speak to them once a week or maybe less. Okay, that's your next step. It's allow the creator to speak to you every day. Just like your relationship with your spouse. Okay, for it to be healthy, there needs to be that communication. All right, maybe that's your step. All right, um, maybe you're sitting here, you're like, you know what? I'm not about the king's business. I'm in that uh, 98 to 95%, okay? Your step would be to sign up for the training. The REACH training, the Evangelism 321, is this Friday and this Saturday, all right? And that would be your next step. And I'm telling you, okay, a lot of people do not have these conversations. It's called a God conversation is how I refer to it with people because they like, I, I'm not sure what I would say. Uh, it might be fear. I don't like conflict, you know? And so like, I, I, there's two things we don't talk about. We don't talk about religion and we don't talk about politics. And I'm like, what do you talk about? <laughs> you know, those are the two main things to talk about. There's other things, sports. If you're well-rounded, there's sports, okay? <laughs> but those would be, you know, and so anyway, in the training, it's called Evangelism 321 for a reason. You can get into a God conversation with somebody, three questions. You can actually use one of them and still get into that conversation, okay? But I teach you how to transition from a, just a typical conversation into the God conversation. And from that last question, it puts you into the gospel, and, and you go from there, okay? It's simple. That's why I say it's easy as one, two, three. It's a playoff of three, two, one. Um, and, and so if you are available, well, some of you might, you know, be um, getting surgery and you can't be there. I get that. That's understandable. But if you have an appointment to get your toes waxed or painted or you're getting a haircut or something, I can't be there, okay? 
let's have a, sur- a, 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 a sense of urgency about this, okay? Because we're not guaranteed another day. I'm not. I could, the Lord could take me home tomorrow. Class would be canceled. Um, actually, hopefully, somebody who I've already trained would rise up and teach that class. Because that's how it works. You take what you've been taught and you pass it on. All right? So that's your action step. How can you do that? You can do it online. You go to the next slide. It's, it's, uh, it should be on there. Um, you can go online. Or you can walk right into the cafe area. There is a uh, clipboard. You can sign up for it that way. Now, there is a $12 uh, registration fee, which covers food and materials. If money is an issue, don't let it be an issue. If you're like, I don't have $12, sign up anyway. We'll cover it. Okay? If you've been through it and you miss part of it, show up. Okay? If you can't make Friday, make Saturday. Okay, Friday, I lay, I lay the base. That's why it's only a couple hours. But that's to allow you to think and dream on what I teach you Friday night. And then we come Saturday and we finish the rest. But we will go out into the streets and we will talk to people. Okay? Now, when I say we, it's going to be people who have been trained before you. Okay? Uh, we're not going to throw you into it unless you say, Coach, sign me up. I want to talk to somebody right now. And so, you know, hey, go for it. You know, and so we're not going to throw, but by seeing that, here's what you're going to see. And, and I want, if, if you've seen this, you say amen. All right? Which is this. People are open to having conversations about God. Happens all the time. That lie, nobody wants to talk about spiritual things, is a lie straight from the pit of hell. I don't run into many people who don't want to have that conversation. It's how you go about having that conversation, which will determine how receptive they are to having that conversation. That's what we'll be teaching you. Okay, very simple. And matter of fact, the, the first part is part one of Evangelism 321. Part two will be in a month. Part one just deals with the 80% who will give a works answer. And so I will train you on how to deal with a works answer. Most people will say, yeah, I'm going to heaven because I'm a comparatively good person. Okay, well, how do you deal with that? That's what we're going to do. And so that's your next action step. And so I pray that you're available if you got a hair appointment or whatever. Cancel it. Get there. Be a part of this. And again, I want you to dream. What would it look like if we, as the church at Oasis, reached our circle of influence and the other churches did? And then we go from Talbot to the next county and the next county until all, all, all Delmarva, all of Baltimore, all of Washington metro area has been reached with the gospel. Can I get a witness? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, actually, I'm going to pray, but this is not us leaving. Father, thank you for uh, the fact that you allow us to partner with you with what you're doing in the world. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just, again, just use uh, the things that we're doing, and, Lord, you would begin a movement here in Easton that would spread throughout Delmarva, that would spread throughout Baltimore, Washington, and throughout the country and throughout the world. Lord, thank you for this privilege you give us. 
Pray that you'd be honored and glorified in all we say and do. And Jesus' people said, amen.